1: We are live, Mike, in the Facebook group. Hey,
0: hey. all right. Clean Nation, I'm not going to lie to you. It is 3 o'clock in the PM where I'm at. And I just had my second cup of coffee. I'm a little bit of an addict. So buckle up. We're going to, I may not have anything good to say or coherent, but by golly, we're going to have some energy. So this is the last live we're doing this year. Um, Where are we at? We're recording on the 27th. So just had a Christmas Um, New Year's coming. And I think we're going to try and talk a little bit about kind of what to prepare for the 2024. You, Lindsay's in charge of themes. Am I missing Lindsay or am I tracking a little bit?
1: (laughs) You are definitely tracking. So I sent an email out today. I hit up everyone in the Facebook group and I wanted to know the number one thing that you guys need help with Cleaning Nation in 2024. So that is the theme today.
0: Beautiful. I'm fired up. Let's, uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, like how do I get to answer my, ask my question, support our growmycleaningcompany.com goes to Lindsay or just jump on our Facebook group, join us live. uh, And you can ask Lindsay and she thinks it's a good question. She'll throw it up and we'll talk to you. So Lindsay, who do we got first?
1: All right. First we have Raina emailing us in and she had a really good question, and we actually had a lot of people ask the same question. Surprise! Um, but she voiced it really well. So she said, the number one thing right now is finding the right part-time employees. I do follow your processes and find that those are a core values match, or excuse me, I can't read. I find core value matches, but because I offer only part-time, many of my employees have two or three other jobs. And this is not their number one priority. They can't show up to meetings to cover for other employees when they're sick or have other jobs. So what should I do? Do I hire those kind of people?
0: All right. There is like seven questions packed into that. So I'm going to do my best to unpack and just lay them all out nicely on the table and see if I can't knock them one by one. So let me, and this is such a complex one. Lindsay emailed it to me in advance so I can kind of read it and be like, all right. So number one thing is find the right part-time employees. No problem. We've got people in the program. You know, there's times where it's really hard to find employees, times where it's really easy. This is kind of in the middle, a little on the easier side. So I promise you there's nothing going on, Rainy, that's um, you know, extracurricular that's going to keep you from doing that. I do follow follow your process. A lot of times when we say people are following our process, oftentimes they're not or they're missing a key part. So totally appreciate going, hey, I'm doing the best I can because I don't think she's a client or past client. She is a client. She should have the exact process, but just be open to, hey, maybe I'm getting 70 or 80%, of which is fine. No judgment. I get it. Um, and finding employees that are core values match. That's a whole different, clearer thing. I want to make sure, you know, I'd, if we were working together, I'd be like, what are your core values? Make sure they're articulated well. How are you communicating that throughout the process? So there's a lot of unpacking in there, uh, Rainey, if we were going one-on-one, I'd kind of dive into, but because I can't ask your questions, I'm going to skip that part. But because I only offer part-time, which is definitely what we teach. So that's a big one. Uh, I'm glad that you put that up, Lindsay, because a lot of people have that fear if I only offer part-time and that's somehow going to handicap me. All right. We're going to get into old man camp and I'm going to tell a story. So sure. Lindsay's like, oh boy, <laughs> um, this is Lindsay. If you want to take a nap or, you know, pet a cat or whatever, whatever you feel like she and she's out. Lindsay may or may not be back, you know, at all. Um, so when I was younger um which all stories are when we we're younger cuz it's hard to tell one about when we were older so when I was younger that's the coffee kicking in when I was younger I was afraid I couldn't afford to get good talent and I thought it was money or benefits right like I couldn't give fancy healthcare you know we've offered healthcare before but just some of the fancy benefit package that I perceived my competitors or not in you know, other companies had so I thought Compensation was it. And that's why I couldn't hire good employees. I would put in the bucket, I only have part-time work or I don't pay enough or just some logistical thing. The reality, which I've discovered since is really what people want is to be paid fairly. right? So if you're screwing people, um, that's not going to work, but to be paid fairly and treated fairly and a culture and experience that matters to them. So where they're spending their time is mostly more important than how much they get paid. And I know you're like, I'm talking about part-time versus part-time. You're talking about money. Keep in mind, they don't really want to work full-time. They just want more money. So it really is a, you know, if if I was like, Lindsay, could I get you to do about half what you do now, but take the same money? She would probably be okay with that. Um, So it's not a, it really is about the money. That said, we get up in our head and say things like, well, I'm only hiring part-time and nobody wants that. That is not the truth. In any given market, depending on how big it is, there are dozens if you're in a tiny market, like a thousand people, hundreds if you're in a tiny, tiny market, but typically tens of thousands of people looking for work at a given time. And if you're like, well, only 10% of them, only half of them or a third of them are looking for kind of like minimal wage, you know, because the bigger it's a pyramid, right? The lower the wages, the more people are competing for the job, the higher the wages, the less people apply. So say only a third of the people are kind of looking for your genre of whatever. So say instead of 10,000 applicants, there's only 3,300. And say those 3,300, only 15% want part-time right now. Well that's 500 people. How many slots are you trying to fill? People are like two. All right, we're not even close, man. So two things can be true at once. Thing one, a lot, we don't say a lot. We. of exaggerate, i.e. lie to ourselves and go, everybody wants full-time. That's not the truth. What we should say, if we're going to be precise, is a lot of our people want full-time. Okay. But of the people that want full-time, the question isn't how many people want full-time. The question is, are there more than enough people that want what I want to offer? And if the answer is yes, don't worry about, well, nine out of 10 people said they want full-time. Okay. Well, just get 100 applicants. That means if one in 10 say they want part-time, that's 10. You can only hire two, you're still good. So Rainey, everyone else, don't get in the trap of I can't pay enough, you have to pay fairly, that was my mindset thing, or it's only part-time, therefore I can't hire. Nope. If you offer a good experience and you have a good enough application or a good enough hiring ad, core values based that's getting good applicants, you'll find people. So the belief of I can't hire because it's part-time is not the truth. All right. Next piece is many of my employees have two or three other jobs. um, So this is their number one priority that's a again we're really getting very nuanced this is a super we're going long into the first hopefully there's not 27 questions because i'm blowing all of our time on this one i'll try and wrap it so we can move on i love i found when i had my cleaning company people that had another job were really good a lot of times it was men they had a decent job full time but a lot of time they were uh from another country And they wanted to go back home for Christmas or give their kids a nicer Christmas or vacate. They just wanted to have a better life. And it's like, that's exactly who I want. Like, that's what this job is for, right? Like, the job I have isn't going to give me the life that I want. So I'm willing to work a little harder to get what I want for my family. Like, I love those people. And I found them to be very diligent, very hardworking. That's another job, right? And as long as they understand, hey, if you've got that other job, this is the requirements of this job. And if your other job says you can't meet these requirements, then this isn't for you. But most of the time, um, and this is on commercial, they've had the day job, eight to five. They're cleaning uh, at night for a couple hours. One didn't affect the other. Two or three other jobs is a red flag for me. So the one job is I make $46,000 a year. I want a nicer life for my family. I'd like to make an extra 10, 15 grand a year with this part-time job. Perfect. Three other jobs means I sell Mary Kay and I do this on the side and I make a nickel here and I have a farmer's, I'm doing a thousand different things. I'm not really good at any of them. Yes, that is not a person I'm looking to hire. That is a flaky, they're kind of all over the board type of person. So to answer your question, one other job, typically a good sign, doesn't mean everyone with a job. Is good for this position. Two or three other jobs typically a bad sign. Doesn't mean everyone two or three other jobs is a bad thing. But there is a standard. Of, like Lindsay, she's a contractor for us, and she, uh, you know, I think she does some podcast editing. She does some other stuff. Affects her job here zero percent, right? And if it came where it was one or the other, I'd tell her, hey, girlfriend, like. You gotta you gotta do the job. And if you can't figure out how to do them both, you gotta pick one. And if we're not it, that would really break my heart. But I get it. I want what's best for you and your family. So it is okay to have a standard of, yeah, you gotta meet the standard. So it's okay for them over their jobs. But if your standard is, um, yeah, and we'll read the last part, they can't show up to meetings. Well, the meeting the meeting should be weekly, once a week for like 30 minutes. So if the meetings are at a reasonable time and the canter won't show up, then they're just not a fit. That's all. And they can't cover for other employees. Well, that's not really part of the job description, right? You should have floaters to do that. That would be the system that we teach. And it's nice if people can fill in, but that's not part of the job description. So I'd make a distinction between they can't show up for meetings. Well, that's a problem. Um, and again, if they miss a meeting now and again, but if they're always at the job and they can miss, they can't make any of the meetings, just say, Well, that's That would just be it. like if i told lindsay hey we meet at this time and she's like i've got another job that meets at that i'm going to look and see if we can change our meeting and if it's two or three people i will but if i got a dozen cleaners and every time a cleaner can't make it i try and change like that's different because lindsay i've known her but if when she first started she could not meet our meeting when we had it be like well this probably isn't a fit like because she's saying it's not a huge priority which is fine that means she had a better job it just wasn't a fit so yeah sorry when i said we would change meetings that's for an employee that i've had that i know that i love and it's a meeting it's like three or four people easy peasy. But if it's a new person and there's a meeting that's the same time every time for all my team, probably not going to change it for the new guy or new gal. And does that mean I might have missed out on a Lindsay? Yeah, it does. But that's why we have a hiring funnel. There'll be another There'll be another one around the corner. So long answer to 17 short questions. <laughs> Lindsay, wake back up. Ask me another question.
1: All right. <laughs> so we got another good question uh, coming in from email. Hamasha asked, Hey, Mike, Could you please explain and show how to submit a perfect proposal to a client and please explain A to Z how to get a job for the first time as a cleaning business?
0: That is a good question, Masha. So, first and foremost, I think we put, here's a mistake that most owners of cleaning companies make when it comes to getting new clients. One, they don't put enough emphasis on the first call setting of the meeting and we can't get all that into now but they just think the first call is just like well, when do you want me to come like it's just a, a setting of an appointment it is much more than that we have to set ground rules are they going to be available are we okay saying if it's not a fit can will they tell us if it's not a fit can i ask a lot of questions like you really have to set the ground rules properly so when you go on the job you can set it up properly that said For all residential, in any small commercial where I can, it's like 500 bucks, thousand bucks, something I kind of know what the price is going to be. I'm going to give them a bid right then and there and try and solve their pain and get them taken care of. I'm not going to come back. right? So the big mistakes people make is they underemphasize the first call where they set the ground rules. They overemphasize the delivering of the bid. The meat happens when you and that second call when you do when you physically go out there and have that pain conversation, understand what their problem is, and you're literally making a proposal, a bid, you're proposing to solve their problem for money. So if you do a really good job of understanding their problem, what it's costing them, helping them understand what it's costing them, the frustration it's costing them personally, their coworkers, maybe their family, like the real entire cost of this thing. If you understand that and more importantly, help them understand that. And then you help them on the commercial side put a, a number to that that budget. The sale should really be a foregone conclusion. So if you do your job right, the way we would teach you, the the close, so to speak, is literally just great. We can get you on the schedule. So it would be, and again, I, I know Hamash is like, "Hey, give me, you give me a you know three hour A to Z training in six minutes." But I, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, the first call is to set the ground rules for the, the the job walk. The job walk is to reset the ground rules for the job walk, have a good 20 or 30-minute conversation on their pain, the cost. Um, and again, not just it's dirty and I want it clean. That's not its cost. How does it make you feel? What happens? What are the consequences when it's not clean? the boss calls and complains. What are the consequences of those consequences? When the boss complains, what happens? Well, I moved here for this job. And if I lose it, my wife's going to kill me because she quit a job she loved back home. See how we get from things are dirty, superficial to consequences. My boss is displeased with me. Consequences of consequences. My wife's going to kill me if I lose this job. So really important. We get to the consequences of the consequences, not just the surface level pain. Then we have to help them connect that with a cost. Gosh, if you know how much should it cost you to move out here? And what you know, if you and your wife are fighting, what would that be? Where and they start understanding this is not a small problem. Then we get them to go over their budget, right? Because once they are clear on the pain, what kind of money have you set aside to get this taken care of? Right. Like obviously. And if you're like, I asked budget, they won't give it to me. It's like, well, you haven't done pain properly. If you really clear on their pain, I promise you they'll have a budget or they'll they'll be embarrassed that they don't or they'll they'll be honest with you. And then because you've set the ground rules properly on the first call and, and the beginning of this call, you go, great. So if we can solve X, Y, and Z for a budget, what would you like to see happen next? They'll say, well, I'd like to get started. Great, we can get you on Tuesday. It's 1,800 bucks, yada, yada, yada. So I think the the emphasis, Hamasha, which is very common, is on the you know, submitting a perfect proposal and we teach some of that in our class, but the proposal is not it. You've got to do a perfect pain conversation, really help them understand their pain, the cost of the pain. And then once you, if you, if you get a gunshot, when you go to the ER, their pitch is not going to be great. (laughs) Sign here, give me all your money. You have no follow-up questions, right? Because you are clearly in touch with your pain, right? If you've got if you're 19 and you're newly married and you're single and the life insurance guy comes to sell you life insurance, tough, tough job. If you're 40, you've got cancer, two kids going to school and your wife doesn't work and you love her very much and she's full-time raising the kids and maybe she's sick. You're very interested in the life insurance conversation. Same product. Again, same with surgery. I don't have a lot of interest, but if I had a gunshot wound, I'd have... So the closer in touch your client is with a pain, that's, that's the proposal, right? Like, when when they're in touch with their pain, the proposal is not a big deal. If they're not in touch with their pain, the proposal is not a big deal. <laughs> it doesn't matter how well you propose to solve a pain. The life insurance guy for a single mic with no kids and not thinking he's going to ever die, the proposal means nothing. The proposal of the doctor with a gunshot wound to make the pain stop, the proposal means nothing. I'm I'm going to say yes to anything. So focus on getting them clear on the pain and the cost of their pain, not your fancy proposal. Because your proposals about you, which they're not interested in, their pain is about them, which they're massively interested in. I feel like that was a bit of a sermon and not much coaching. But can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> that was for you, Hamasha. Hopefully, hopefully Lindsay was channeling, or maybe he's just going. That didn't answer my. Call. I wanted A to Z, you son of a gun. So I'm going to assume uh, Lindsay's amen is a representative of Hamasha's feelings.
1: I feel like I need a soundboard to like play some church music or something. Oh,
0: that games. would be baller if we get, all right, oh. Lindsay, get a chippity chop. Get some, uh, yeah. When I start to preach and start, you can play me out with
1: uh, the the roll-up music. I think the, Yeah, wrapping up music. All right. On my <laughs> yeah. own show,
0: I'm getting, I'm getting it wrapped up. <laughs> Hey, new friend, love that you were here. If you want more Cleaning Nation, more us, you can check us out on YouTube. Similar content, you just get to see each other. It's totally free. Or if you want to say, hey, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, join our free Facebook group. We love hearing from you, Cleaning Nation. That's what makes it magic. Jump on, we'll see you there.
1: All right, we're going to go to a different direction here um, with Michelle from Facebook. She wants to know... As she scales, how does she control the quality of the work being done?
0: These are really good questions, uh, team Cleaning Nation. So again, it's and I love the question, but it's a really good question. But if I may refocus it, because embedded in that question is the problem with quality control has to do with scale. The faster I scale, the more quality control becomes a problem or that's the causing of the problem. I would propose the the root of the problem is the culture that you have now. And if you've got a bad culture and there's only you and two other employees, scale isn't the problem. It's just, you can hide your lack of powerful culture because it's just you and two other people that you're kind watching constantly. If you've got a good culture with just you and two other people, it might feel the same with two people, but when you hire, it's like, it'll scale real well. So my quality control with Lindsay of so you can't see, she's laughing at me. I'm going to be generous. She's laughing with me or around me, <laughs> perhaps at, depending on how you how you take that. Is when I hired her, I made sure she was qualified for the job. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to tell her, Lindsay. What would you you tell me? What has what how what is Grow Cleaning Company's quality control as it relates to you and what you see?
1: Oh, man, you put me on the spot. This you, I'm always
0: answering these daggum questions. It's your turn for once.
1: Please. Okay.
0: Um, we might do a reverse, by the way. I'll think about it. If, if you guys want Lindsay to, we'll reverse it one time. If you guys email in enough and go, Mike, we want you to ask the questions. Let Lindsay work for us. Help a brother out. Shoot some emails with questions that you want for Lindsay. Once we get enough for a show, uh, we'll reverse it. So this will be Lindsay's test, sticking it to her, putting her on the spot. Um and by the way, I, we, I mean, we just got another sweet, who was it, Avery gave us a five-star review on Google and we're not even asking, our clients are just the best. So our, I would like, based on our client feedback, which is overwhelmingly positive, um, I'm gonna assume our, cause it's easy to go, Lindsay, what's our quality control? She's like, nothing. Like, well, are you any good at your job? Cause <laughs> our quality control matters if we do a good job. Based on our overwhelming client feedback, um, we do a great job. So I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just trying to buy some credibility. When I go, Lindsay, what's our quality control look like? So you don't go, well, anyone can have no quality control if you suck at your job. So let's assume, which our clients have given us feedback, we're getting it. Am I constantly saying, Lindsay, do this or do that? Or here's your checklist? Or did you sign your employee handbook? Or I'm trying to think of all the crap people, you know, checklists that you got to do. Like, what's that look and feel like from your perspective?
1: Um. Yeah. First of all, all those emails that you told people to send, I'm just going to put them in the trash. So no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Well, just like,
0: no one emailed again. I'm like, people are telling so me weird. everything. So this is like, they just so, they never got to me. Yeah. So first exactly. of all, don't hire a dirty liar because <laughs> that's going to screw you right in the butt. That's continue.
1: So, okay. So I hate to say this, but cause we, I sound like a broken record, but it goes back to core values. So one of our core values is to help out. Right. So and
0: by the way, guys, we're not with the core values police. Like this podcast is not sponsored by core big core value, right? This is when we sound like a broken record, it's because I got I got a lol from Lindsay. I think that one got her. Big core value. I threw enough out there to try and get a laugh. Big core value is the one that got took her down. Um, yeah, if it sounds like we're pushing an agenda, it's just because we're being honest, right? You ask questions like this is really it. So <laughs> Good news and the bad news. Bad news is it gets boring when we tell you the same thing over and over again. Good news is it's because this is what we actually do to grow business and it actually works. So if we had a different answer every time, it'd be more interesting, but you might go, are they full of crap? When we give the same answer over and over, it gets boring, but you're like, maybe it works. All right. Didn't mean to interrupt, Lindsay, please continue.
1: No, it's okay. And and it's not just like I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, I got to help out. It's a core value. That's just who I am. Like, I really like helping people. So the quality control is just me like you know i'm one of those people that live by the golden rule too i treat other people how i would want to be treated so part of customer success is me as much as possible putting myself in our customer's shoes and like our clients and what what do they need what would they like to see happen i'm always trying to figure that out so that's the quality control and in the event like every once in a while we we get some feedback and it's not Perfect. You know, people are saying, you could approve this. You could do that. And I'm like, thank you so much. Like this gives me ideas on how to help out. So there, there is no quality control. It's, it's already baked into the core values for us. So I know so every
0: single that. thing, Lindsay said, if I tried to systematize and say, you must take feedback. Well, you must put yourself in another other person's shoes. You must, um, treat, you know, live by the golden rule. And that's not who Lindsay is. It's gonna be a fight, right? I'm gonna annoy the pants off of her. She's you know, I'm not gonna be enchanted by her (laughs) appearance on the team. She's really not gonna enjoy me. It's just gonna not be great. So, long story short, is be crystal clear on the rules. For us, that's have fun, make money, be real, and help out. Hire people that already live those rules and give them lots of encouragement and birth to do a great job. So to answer your very simple question. How do I call, ha, handle quality controls? as I scale? You've got to get people that on their own, like perfect example, Lindsay and I are both terrible. i sorry. I'm a terrible cleaner. I don't know if Lindsay has any. All right. Lindsay's giving me the hand. Yep. She agrees. She's like, okay. And the mouth of so bad. So we've got a double. So we've good confirmation. Lindsay and I are terrible at cleaning. However, if you hired us as a team and we agreed to take your money and you were clear with us on what you wanted from us, we do a great job. Not because we're great cleaners, because like, well, we're taking this guy's money and this lady is paying for a house to be clean. We can't leave us looking shabby. We'd clean it probably better than our house because it's like who we are, right? Whereas if you had people that are really great cleaners but want to do it their own way, or they're not coachable, or they're just like screw you, you might not get the result. So, how to handle quality control is hire people that have core values matches that give a crap about that, and then give them the outcome. So with Lindsay and I, you could give us a thousand. And show, like, here's a checklist and here's pictures and we would probably get a little overwhelmed and a little like, ah, this is too hard and try our best. Or you could just give us an outcome. These people are paying us to feel really good when they come home or really good when they come in their office in the morning. Before you leave, here's the tools and here's some general training. But before you leave, just walk through, just walk in the front door and be like, and how do you feel? And if you feel welcome and happy, then you did a great job. And Lindsay and I could do that, right? We could walk in together. We go, I think this feels good. What do you think, it was like Yeah, I feel good. It's just reasonably intelligent human beings. So, long story short, quality control is hiring the right people that are already down with the cause, like period. And then giving them outcomes, not specific, here's the red thing, the red and there has to be a little bit of the red thing, we put 4 to 1 water, like that's how you dilute it. Like there are, you know you have to like basic stuff like that. But Lindsay and I are general people, pretty smart. And then just be like here's the outcome we're going for. Here's how I want people to feel when they come into the space and people are like, "Okay, I can do that." So, hire the right people and give them the right tools. And if they fail, find out why. Like if Lindsay and I failed and say, well, no one told us two to one water. We just have a guess, so we didn't dilute it at all. Like, OK, that's a training issue. And if we over and over, like, well, we didn't think, or I'm complaining about Lindsay, she's complaining about me, maybe we're not a good core values match, right? We might not have been the right hire. And then you go back to step one, hire the right people, <laughs> give them the outcome, <laughs> repeat. All right. Um, again, I'm finding ways to make questions really long. We are over on time, but I've only answered two questions and that's not the fault of the people. Let's do one more. I'll try and wrap it kind of quick just so we don't stick it to whoever else is next.
1: Okay. Quick question. Owen on Facebook, will you explain how to get in contact with the decision maker for a company?
0: Well, that's all right. That's an easy one. Finally, one, I'm like, I can answer directly without any, well, let me answer this other question, even though you wanted that question, I can answer. That's a great question, Owen. So step one, we got to get clear on who the decision maker is, right? Which is pretty easy. Just ask. Step two, you've got to find out if there's typically there's a, if it's a decision maker, typically there's a, uh. A gatekeeper. So just like our friend Lindsay said, put yourself in their shoes, right? So the gatekeeper, her job is to keep salespeople away from, or his, whatever it is, from the decision maker. So if you come in and sound like a salesperson, you're probably going to get stuck. His or her job is also to put people through or facilitate people that the decision maker does want, you know, help, right? If you're like, Hey, I'm one of your large clients for the decision maker and I'm pissed, the likelihood you're going to go through is pretty quick. If you're a large client for the decision maker, like I would like to buy more crap, the likelihood you're going to get put through is pretty high. If you're calling saying, I want some money and I have nothing to offer, that's not going to work out so well. So first of all, I've got to make sure you understand who the decision maker is so you can ask for them. Second of all, I'm going to assume there's a gatekeeper. Um, third of all, which is key, just figure out what they want. So so I could go for hours on this, but we're late, so I'm going to try and keep it to five minutes. First of all, I love pattern interrupts. So if you sound like a salesperson and smell like a salesperson and walk like a salesperson, you is a salesperson. So if I come in and Lindsay is the gatekeeper and I'm like, hi Lindsay, this is Mike. I'm with Mike's Cleaning Company. May I uh, may I ask who the decision maker for the cleaning services of like already she's like sales dude, <laughs> sales dude. But if I do a pattern interrupt, hey Lindsay, here let's just do a quick role play. You answer the phone and I'll uh, I'll see if I I'll see if I can get you to like me. Okay. Be a pain in the butt decision maker.
1: All right. I'm answering the phone or the door, whatever. However you're contacting me. Hey, oh, no. we'll, go
0: phone. we'll go phone.
1: Okay. All right. Hey, this is Lindsay's awesome company.
0: Hey, Lindsay's awesome customer. This is Mike's even better company. What's going on?
1: <laughs> How can your company be better than mine? You don't even, I don't even know what you do. <laughs>
0: That's what's so impressive. I don't even know what you guys do either, but I'm. I'm just confident we're better. That's why we're awesome.
1: All right. What do you want, Mike? What's going on? Can
0: I, all right. You ask an honest question. Can I give you an honest answer? Sure. I would like some money. Do you have any money?
1: I have some money. What am I giving you? Why do you want money?
0: Why <laughs> does anybody good. want money? Wait, are we crazy? Do you know anyone that has more money than you?
1: Uh, Yes.
0: <laughs> all right. Good. Me too. So word on the street is Steve has all the money with your company and I want some of it, but I am afraid to ask because I'm a terrible salesperson. So if you were me and you needed Steve's money <laughs> and you needed you to like me, what would you do, Lindsay? Because I'm confused and scared.
1: Okay. First, I would bribe me. No. Um <laughs> Well, what? hold on. What's a
0: bribe cost? Now? <laughs> like I told you I got some money. You got some money. Maybe we can put our money together and get Steve's money.
1: I'm so <laughs> right, bad. So at we'll mind.
0: stop with the role play. <laughs> you can say that guy's stupid or fun or not fun, but by golly, you didn't think he was a salesperson right? Or if you did think it was a salesperson, you're like, I don't even care. (laughs) Like, this is a real conversation. So I try to throw in 15 pattern interrupts, just so you'd have examples of what's happening, right? And you don't have to have my personality, just don't have a salesperson's personality. So whatever you thought of me doing that, you didn't think that guy's a salesperson. You thought that guy's crazy. That guy's interesting. I don't know if I like this guy, but there's enough. And I told Lindsay, be a pain in the butt person. And she tried and she's so sweet. I need someone meaner. Lindsay's too sweet. She can't play a pain in the butt for very long. So pattern interrupts is the first part. Second, and I did this in the role play as well, try and get on, just like Lindsay said, try and put yourself in their shoes. Like if you were me, Lindsay, and you were trying to sell Steve, what would you do? You'd be shocked how they'll tell you exactly how to sell Steve just because you asked. And so what I'm giving Lindsay, as opposed to taking, taking is, Hi, my name is Mike. I'd like to get in touch with the decision maker. Can you please help me?" Lizzie's well, not interested in that. What I'm giving her is you're an important person and probably zero of the people that you know, you think you're an important person. And guess what? I think you're an important person. I'm guessing very few people that call think you're an important person. They think you're a pain in the butt to get around. I'm going to treat you like a human being and assume if I can meet some of your needs, just a quick laugh or something to be human with me. Maybe I bring her donuts or just any sort of human to human like thing. Lindsay might see me as a human as opposed to a salesperson. So if I stop treating her and thinking of her as a gatekeeper and stop acting like a salesperson, just be like, Hey, you got a job, which is a good job. And I got a job, which is a good job. Maybe we could be friends and do our job together. (laughs) Like, okay. So step one, pattern her up. Step two, put yourself in the gatekeeper's uh, shoes. Step three, know that her shoes is if she can do something that makes the gatekeeper happy, she's probably going to be happy. And if she does something that pisses off the gatekeeper, she's probably going to not feel good about life or that's going to have negative consequences. So what can I do to make her look good in front of the gatekeeper and make the gatekeeper feel good? And it isn't as easy as, oh, his kid's in soccer and they're looking for new uniforms. Well, shit, for 150 bucks or whatever, I could be that. I could get the uniform for crying out loud. So short answer, Owen, Pattern interrupts, get on their side of the table, find a way to bring value to the gatekeeper and the person as opposed to asking for something from them. All right. This might be the longest live we've done. And I it's way past my nap time. So I don't why I keep trying to end it and have short answers and you keep interrupting and making me talk longer. It's really not cool, Lindsay. I don't appreciate it really at all, frankly.
1: I'm the worst. <laughs>
0: I am married to a Lindsay, by the way, that's exactly what my wife would have said if I gave her, she would have in her mind, been like this idiot <laughs> out loud gone. I'm the worst. You're right. I love Lindsay. Just like, fine, I'll roll with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that ends us for the, for the last uh, one of 2023, Mike.
0: All right. Clean nation. I uh, hope you all had a Merry Christmas. If you would like your 24 to be different and ideally better than your 23, Reach out. Let us know. We can help growmancleaningcompany.com. Jump on with one of our coaches. Get the help that you need. And if it's not from us, get it from somebody. But if you've got a feeling 2024 is going to be different and your only plan is, I'm never going to give up and you're smoking the hopium, do something different. Actually get some help, whether it's from us or somebody else. This is a great industry. There's so much opportunity to in 2024. Go get some for yourself. Well, here we are at the end of the podcast and you made it. Great job.